So I don't know if you've heard about this, but at a countrywide gathering, at a local, uh, a small town, all the local religious leaders got together. And it was at that gathering that someone entered and shouted, the building is on fire. Well, the Methodists gathered in the corner and had a committee meeting to discuss and debate the meaning of fire. The Baptists yelled, we need more water. The Lutherans, well, they posted a notice on the front door of the church declaring fire to be evil. The Episcopalians, well, they formed a processional and marched out the building with decency and order. The Catholics took a pledge to cover the expense of repairs after the fire. The the Pentecostals, well, they went around praising God and shouting, holy smoke. (laughs) And the non-denominationalists, well, they split into three groups and safely got out of the building, but then after they exited, they started three new churches. (laughs) My friends, on this first Sunday in October, Christians around the world are celebrating Holy Communion. Worldwide Communion Sunday started in 1940. And it was meant to be a way to unify people and denominations through celebrating things that we have in common. It is an invitation for people of all classes and all colors, all backgrounds and all beliefs, all traditions and all testimonies to join our hands and our hearts in our love for Jesus Christ. And so, my friends, welcome to the table of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the table of diversity. It is important that we never forget whose table that we bow our heads before this day. Now, If this were an ordinary meal, you could get more food at a backyard barbecue. You'd get more excitement tailgating at a ball game. And you might even get more fellowship. But I'm here to tell you this is not an ordinary meal. No, we come today to participate in the body and the blood of Christ. We come together to profess our faith in the salvation of the cross. We come to claim redemption and resurrection, to become one in Christ who has the power to unify us with one another. You know, it's interesting to think, but Christ doesn't become fragmented in us. No, we become unified in Christ. And this is why communion matters. Communion is the single most unifying action that we can do as believers. You know, Jesus knew that this was going to be needed. Jesus knew that after his death on a cross, the disciples were going to be scared and scattered and divided. But what did Jesus do? Jesus gave them a command, a very simple one. It was in the upper room. He first told them to love one another, to wash one another's feet, to wash 
the world's feet. And then what did he do? He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, each time you gather together to eat, do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of what? The sacrifice of the cross? Yes. The resurrection from the tomb? Absolutely. You know, you might also remember that great Easter story in Luke's gospel, chapter 24, the Emmaus Road experience. Cleopas and his friends, they're walking the Emmaus Road. They're coming from Jerusalem. And you might recall they're a little disappointed. They're sad. They don't understand all that has gone on. And so as they walk there, the risen Christ comes to them and walks with them. But they don't recognize Jesus. But it's good to, re- to understand that Jesus walked with them in their sadness and their grief. Jesus walked with them in grace and love. And as they walked, Jesus explained the scriptures to them and helped them to understand God even better. But the most interesting thing about this story doesn't happen until that evening they come together and they come around the table. And then Jesus does what? He takes the bread and he breaks it. And he gives it to them. And it was at that moment that their eyes were opened. It was at that moment that they recognized Jesus. And they even said, weren't our hearts on fire as we walked with him on the road? And yet we didn't even recognize it. We didn't know it. In remembrance of what? It is in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup that Christ's presence is revealed to us. A presence that is real and a presence that is right here. And when we do this, and when we do it together, the fellowship of believers is made stronger. You know, the beauty of communion is that we don't reduce Christ to who we are. No, Christ raises us up to where Christ is. That's what Colossians 1.17 says. In Christ, all things hold together. In our scripture lesson today, from Exodus chapter 16, the Israelites, they're, well, they're having trouble trusting God. And you know, we know this story. After spending many years as slaves in Egypt, God sends Moses to break them free from their bondage, to deliver them from captivity. And Moses leads them from captivity, and you might remember the miraculous crossing across the Red Sea, and then leads them 250 miles out into the desert. And really, that's where our story picks up today. Because at this point, they've been traveling for several months. 
And guess what? They're tired. They're frustrated. They're having debates. They're debating whether or not Moses is the one that should be leading them. And they're even wondering about God. Is God with them? Have they been forsaken? They're looking at their present situation and they're even questioning their future. They were no longer trusting, but you know, they were hungry and they were thirsty. So you know what? They do what God's people do when God's people get tired and hungry and thirsty and angry and frightened and upset. You know what God's people do, right? They pray. No, that would make sense. Now, what, what do God's people do? They whine and complain. And they begin to blame Moses. And they blame God. Because they have to have a scapegoat for what they're going through. And they start saying things to Moses like, oh, really, Moses? You couldn't just let us die in Egypt. You had to bring us out in the middle of nowhere to kill us. Thanks a lot. We're thirsty. We're tired. It's dry. It's hot. My feet hurt. I need a bath. I've got a blister on my toe. Egypt was better than this. My friends, why are God's people this way? Shouldn't we know better? Why are we this way? Instead of having faith and trusting God, even in the midst of the most difficult of times, it just is so easy for us to blame and complain. My friends, I, I want to I ask you a question. I want you to really think about this. Have you ever stopped to think that God has you right where God wants you to be. I mean, do you really believe that God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-loving? Do you really believe that God is sovereign? Do you really believe that God has everything in control? Remember, Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good of those who love the Lord and are called according to God's purpose. What if God has you right where God wants you to be? It may not be the place that you want to be, but it's a place that you need to be. Because you know what? Sometimes we're going to find ourselves in the desert. You know what's scary about being in the desert? What's scary is you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. You don't know where your water is going to come from, where your shelter is going to come from. And so you have to trust. You have to trust. You don't have a choice. You have to trust fully on God. Because the understanding here, especially if we take Romans 8, 28 seriously, God has a purpose for everything. So every mountaintop experience we have, it has a purpose. 
Every valley that we end up walking through, God can use it. It has a purpose. Every desert has a purpose. Every struggle has a purpose. Every pain has a purpose. Every friend has a purpose. Every foe that comes against us has a purpose. God will use everything that we go through in this life to teach us that God is in control and that there is purpose to our experiences. God's people, the Israelites, after all of that grumbling, after all of that complaining, God was still faithful. Now, I don't know about you, but when people complain and grumble enough to me, I tend to kind of grumble and complain back. But not God. God is faithful. God loves and God provides. Quail, God provides manna. Now, God also has some instructions. And that's what verses 16 and 18 say today. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much and some little. The ones who gathered much didn't have too much, and the ones who had little didn't have too little. Everyone had just as much as they needed. My friends, it's not about equal gathering. It is about equal sharing. The Israelites were only supposed to gather enough food for that day. Unless, of course, and it goes on to say on Sabbath, you could gather food for two days. But what happened, right? Some of them trusted themselves more than God. Some of them wanted to hedge their bets. Yeah, I'll trust in God. But you know what? I'm going to get a little bit more. No one's going to know about it. It'll be in my tent. It's going to be fine. And just in case God doesn't provide, I am going to take matters into my own hands and provide for myself. Now, what would happen when they kept food longer than that one day? Well, everybody knew it because there were flies coming out of their tent, and the food was rotten. I'm sure the smell was, uh, well, too much. I mean, why would they do it? Or why do we do it? Well, it's simple, right? Give us this day our daily bread. You can't store up God and bring God out at the times you want and on your terms. My friends, our faith only grows stronger when we daily trust God. It's so important. Let's stop whining and complaining and looking for scapegoats. And let's live into our faith. You know, I had, a, I had a coach once who had, was constantly saying to us, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Well, my friends, it's never too late to finish well. It's never too late with God's grace. 
I know some of you might be asking, how am I going to make my life better? Well, I know the very first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to take Holy Communion. And all that that represents. I mean, listen to the liturgy. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to live in peace with other people, even people who don't agree with me. I'm going to love God with my entire being and my whole heart. I'm going to seek to do God's will. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to seek justice and offer mercy. I'm going to help the needy. And I'm going to live this life with joy. I'm going to live it filled with joy. And I'm going to do all of this through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. My friends, I stand before you today to tell you as lovingly, as grace-filled, and as powerful as I can, Communion matters. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.